Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Music man, relish these days. Side trail, Bob. I, I love bringing my brother into it because he's such a big part of this. He said, you know, he's, he's such a big part. I remember there was one person left in early March that I could call, you know, that they would answer the phone. And it was my brother. And I said, bro, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about a Nor I'm thinking about a Novo of the AT, you know, because I, I needed something different. I had to break out of this cycle that I was in. I'm trying to get better, going back out, trying to get better, going back out. And then everything fell apart. All the under, you know, all the, fa the foundation, the structure of my life fell apart. As a family man, as a working man, as a friend, as a father, a son, a brother, a colleague, those things had all, and uh, something had to change. And I said, I, I asked him, I said, I'm thinking about a, a Novo of the AT. And he paused and he's like, that's a, I think that's exactly what you should do, bro. Yeah. He said, why don't you come over here and get some extra gear? And I went over there and I got some extra gear that day. And uh, by the time the sun was down, I was on my way to Georgia. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirtbags and hiker trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right. 
I am very excited to talk to this week's guest, who is a thru-hiker, musician, and author. Welcome to the John Freaking Muirpod, David Chandler. How's it going, Dave? It's going great, Doc, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And ordinarily, I would ask I would ask if you prefer Dave or David, but we're not going to use that name very much in this, in this podcast. We're going to go by trail names. I like it. Okay. Do you have a trail name? I do have a trail name. And, and what, is. what might that be? <laughs> my trail name is music man okay well you're a musician so that, that kind of makes sense how did uh how'd you come by that so music man came about um day probably day one of my through hike in 2020 um day one or day two i actually can't quite remember whether it was the first day or the second day um we might talk about why that is later but um when i got to springer mountain trailhead in the parking lot, um, the Wounded Warrior Expedition was there starting a through hike the same day that I was. And this is whole supported project that they've got. And, they, you know, they had the big, you know, tour bus. And um, I think they do it annually, Doc. I'm not really sure. Like, um, I think they support um, a group of um, eligible hikers, vets uh, along the way. And anyway, I got to walk in with this uh with this guy from, I call him Lone Star Don, because uh, all, I, all I know is his first name, Don, and uh, I kind of, you know, lost track of him after uh, the first week or two. Their funding got pulled, and so I didn't see him again. But uh, we were hiking the first day, and, you know, he said, well, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, you know, I've, I've played guitar for a living, you know, most of my life, and, and you know, I'll pick a banjo a little bit. Um, he said, oh, he said, Cause he, and, you know, Don, this guy's great, man. This guy's like straight Texas, got a huge wad of Copenhagen in his lip, and you know, he's just like, um, he said, oh, my dad played banjo for a living. I was like, no kidding. He said, yeah, you know, yeah, it's a tough life. But, you, you know, he said, you know, I remember sitting at his feet, you know, while he, you know, picked the fives to picked and grand, you know, and, uh, you know, he, you know, he had a hard life, but he loved it. He played banjo. He loved it. And he said, that's it. I said, what? He said, you need to trail me. I said, oh, uh, he said, music, man, you know. I'll never forget. He said it just like that too. He said, "Music man," <laughs> and it's and then just a huge wad of Copenhagen, you know. I was like, "Music man, yep, that's it," you know. And you know, at first I I was like, "Music man," I, I don't know, you know. Like there's this that old. I started thinking about that the old movie, you know, the Music Man, and I was like, you know. But um, you know, I think the tradition of the trail is, or some of the old time tradition of the trails is, if somebody names you, then you've got a name. You know, I also heard that you have one veto. Like if somebody names you and you don't like it, you can veto that name, but then you have to take the next one that comes. And so I had kind of had that in my head. I don't, I don't know where I do remember that though. And I was like, music man, it is. Well, music man, I got, I got a little tip for you that if you, if you don't run into that person or hang, hang out with that person any longer and you run into a new group of people, you can always say, I don't have a trail name yet. So it, it, it depends on the crowd, right? I guess it's, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. It, I guess it does. But um, I think it's music man for life. Doc. Yeah, I really do. if it fits, it fits. I mean, take it if it fits. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you kind of have that uh, Waylon Jennings type look to you. Uh, what, what kind of what kind of guitar do you play? What, what, what kind of music? What's your genre? Um, Wow. Waylon Jennings, huh? No, you don't see that? <laughs> yeah, now, I mean, I'm looking at myself now, you know, they're like, well, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could, yeah, I could see that. Um, I play a Taylor acoustic. 
Um, I play electric guitar, play acoustic guitar. Um, I love playing guitar. I love playing music. Like I said, I did it for a living um, uh, well into my 30s. And I've been playing a lot of acoustic guitar. I played electric guitar pretty much for a living through my 20s and into my 30s. Um, and the last couple of years, though, since kind of my reconnection with nature, um, the wood of the acoustic, the residency acoustic, and I've been writing a lot. Um, just been writing in general a lot, but definitely doing a lot of songwriting too. And uh, the acoustic guitar is like more conducive to that. It just it makes it it uh, it enables me to kind of put some I put my ideas together. I don't feel so compelled to make the electric guitar do what it's supposed to do or what I I think or other people think it's supposed to do. So a lot of acoustic. Yeah, are you are you a country guy? Are you rock? Are you yacht rock? Are we are we talking about? Power Man, I grew up listening to the Almond Brothers. Almond Brothers, okay. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I grew up listening to the Almond Brothers, um, and um, whatever was in my dad's vinyl collection, you know. But um, I am a rock guy. Yeah, I I, I am. I, I like rock. Um, I like it all. You know, I've I've studied a little bit. I've studied a little bit of classical. I've studied a little bit of jazz. Um. I, I, I try to dabble in lots of different things. Definitely like a master of none, you know, but um, I just try to play as much as I can, you know, okay. many different styles. And when you were, when you were making your living in music, what did that consist of? Were you playing in a band? Were you doing post-production work? How, what, what aspect? Playing in a band, playing. Okay. And I taught, you know, I, I was a music teacher, um, you know, I taught in the afternoons rock and roll at night slept when the sun was down. <laughs> um yeah and and i was in a number of bands that we we had some we had some great times you know we'd hit the road uh yeah i'm from louisville kentucky you know i'm, I'm calling you from, from the northeast right now but i'm from kentucky and that was that was home base and so we would kind of travel around uh different regions and um yeah you know a couple times a year we would you know hit the road cram ourselves into a stinky van and either come to new England or, you know, travel all the college towns and, or as many, not all, but, you know, as many college towns as we could find in the South that would have us, you know, it would, you know, give us a couple hundred bucks of pie and like a couple pitchers of beer and like, yeah, we'll drive 400 miles to play in Boone, North Carolina for, you know, <laughs> whatever. And had a great time. You had me at, at pie and beer. I'm, I'm, I'm sold. There we go. There you go. What was the biggest crowd you played in front of? Um, wow, the biggest crowd. We played a band I was in played the Four Castle Festival in Louisville, Kentucky. And that was a pretty big crowd. I can't remember how many it was, but it, this big concert field, you know, down on the down on the waterfront in Louisville, Kentucky. I think the Black Crows were playing like a few bands down the line. And so people were like starting to trickle in and, you know, um, get get their beer and pizza on, you know, early in pregame. And um, we didn't play right before the Black Crows. I, I don't I don't believe I don't recall, but I know they were on the bill on this main stage later that night. And so like there was definitely in a couple hours, something big was going to happen. And yeah, that was fun. fantastic. Lead singer as well or just on the guitar? No, not really. I mean, I'm a lead singer for myself in my room and nobody's listening or, you know, in the, in the shower, in the car, 
you know me too, me too i'm working on that gets that does not give me any pizza or pie so or or beer <laughs> man you give yourself a little credit it might <laughs> it might all right i'll and buy you a pizza and a beer i will then i will venmo you for a pizza and a beer if you if you can commit to me doc you're going to go out to the next open mic and share some of your creativity oh, with the world yeah. i will venmo you a pizza that is a safe bet for you, sir, because I, I'm the kind of guy that lip syncs happy birthday to my my uh, my kids. So there you go. It's awesome. <laughs> now, Music yeah. Man, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast before? I have. Yeah. I haven't listened to the last few episodes because I'm like, oh, wow. Like, like the John freaking freaking your pod is on a freaking roll right now. Like, what what, have, what am I doing on there? And so, like, you know, that's just my insecurities, you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we are excited to have you, and so I'm thrilled to be here. Don't, don't worry about that. Uh, I only ask because I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment we do towards the end of every episode. It's called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week, and that's where I will turn to you and ask you to sh share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. Fantastic. Okay, sounds great. Now you're you're in for a treat uh, tonight because we're into a special segment. It's time for a current event. Current event. We do this every once in a while when there's something newsworthy happening that I'm particularly interested in that applies to the outdoors. And do you know what's happening right down right now down in Tennessee? No, in Tennessee. In Tennessee. I, I know where Tennessee is, but yeah, Frozen Frozen Head State Park. Okay. It is the running of the Barkley Marathons. Do you, have you oh. heard of the Barkley Marathons? I have not. Oh, this is perfect. This is perfect because <laughs> as my regular listeners know, I'm, I'm borderline obsessed with this and I get to explain it to you. So this is fantastic. Great. So the Barkley Marathons, uh, have a, it's a, a very mysterious race shrouded in secrecy. It has, has uh, garnered a cult following. And it's because it, it's this loop in the Tennessee wilderness in Frozen Head State Park created by Gary Cantrell, also known as Laz, Lazarus Lake. And it's inspired by the escape of a prisoner from a prison located nearby 35, 40, 40 years ago. And the guy was gone for 60 hours. He escaped from the prison, was gone for 60 hours. And when they found him, you know, people thought, oh, he's 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 across state lines. He's gone, you know. But when they found him, he only made it like two or three miles away from the prison. That's how thick the and, and rugged the terrain was out there. And so this guy, Gary Cantrell, who was a an endurance runner, a long distance runner, marathoner, said, oh, if that had been me, I, I could have been 100 miles away by then, you know, in 60 hours. And there the idea for the race was born. And so the entire race, 90 percent of the race is off trail. It's going uphills, downhills. It's uh, it's not well marked. The, the the contestants, when they show up to check in, there is a hand-drawn map uh, that they give you, and you're allowed to copy that map. So you have to hand-draw your version of the map where, where the trail goes. Uh, and then you also, you cannot use any kind of uh, cell phone or GPS device. They give everybody a watch with no GPS functionality. And... You have to you have to run that loop five times. Now before no we get to the race, before we get no, yeah, nav, no, nav, no nav, right before we get to the race itself, the the way to apply to the race, the application, it's not easily found online. 
That that is the big mystery. There, it's not. There's no published guidelines on how to apply for this race. You just have to figure it out, and you're not supposed to talk about it either once you've been uh, successful in applying for the race. So there's are the men in black going to come for you for telling me all this right now? Like, well, you know, I I, I don't anticipate running in the race, so I, I'll probably be banned. Uh, <laughs> for, for, but that's okay because I'm not going to do it. It's um, worth. It's a great story. Yeah, and so. Uh, Laz Lake, he, he accepts about 40 contestants each year. And one of the contestants he, he picks because that person is wholly unsuited and unprepared to run a race of this magnitude. And so he's like, you know, the, the sacrificial lamb, he or she is the sacrificial lamb. Now the cost to enter the race is like a dollar 20 or a dollar 60. And you have to bring Laz, uh, some, some, item that he is requesting that year one year it was orange soda another year it was a certain type of uh, shirt uh, it just depends on what Laz needs that year so you show up and you bring him your 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 offering there and then if you're a first-time runner in the race you also have to bring a license plate from your state i like okay? it all right they don't give you a start time they give you a 24-hour window so you have to be there within these 24 hours and then there's the blowing of the the conch shell which signifies the race is going to start in one hour. So everybody kind of assembles at this uh, yellow cattle gate waiting for the start of the race. And the start of the race is when Laz lights up a cigarette. When he lights the cigarette, everybody's off. Now, the course is not well marked, right? It's out in the middle of nowhere. You have a, a, a general idea from your hand-copied map. And the way that they're able to tell... But it's marked. Like, is it blazed at all? No. I mean, are they... Okay. I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Uh, everybody's given a bib number and what Laz does is he puts 11 books out on the trail in plastic bags. Sometimes they're hidden. Sometimes they're not. And you have to find those books and you have to tear out the page that corresponds with your bib number. So you have to come back finishing the loop with 11 pages. If you don't have 11 pages, you didn't do the loop. Wow. Now the loop is supposed to be 20 miles long, but it's really, it's closer to 25 is what I've heard. And it varies a little bit year to year. And so you have 60 hours to do five loops. Now, in the 30, 35 plus years that, that it's been in existence, there's only been 15 finishers. Very tough, very difficult. It takes world-class athletes who enter this and it turns them into, into just uh, shivering, hypothermic uh, puddles of mud. So, what a humbling experience. I mean, yeah. like... I'd end up at the top of a tree if I could even get up there. Just like, where the hell am I? Like, what are we doing out here? So this is happening right now in Tennessee? It's happening right now. There's actually about... How far uh, into the 60 hours are they right now? They're like 59 hours in. 59 hours. And the, <laughs> the way it works is everybody starts off in the same direction that on the first loop. And he changes it year to year. So let's say the, the first loop this year was clockwise. Everybody goes out clockwise. Then you you come in, you give the pages, the checks, make sure that you did the full loop, and then you go out again, and and this time it might be counterclockwise. Now because it takes about twelve hours to do each loop, um, you may start in the daytime going one direction, and then the second time you do it, you're doing it in the night, and you're doing it in a different direction, which just makes it insanely hard. And then of course, sleep deprivation kicks in in decision making. How do you train for something like this? There, are I mean. There are two awesome documentaries that I'm going to suggest you watch. And our, our listeners, if you're listening and you're fascinated by this, watch these two documentaries. 
One is called the Barkley Marathons, the race that eats its young. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fitting. And the other one is the Barkley Marathons, where dreams go to die. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where yeah. I go to die. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm glad I was able to explain all that. Here is the current event. It's going on right now. And for the first time in race history, four people started loop five. Four people made it all the way to loop five and actually started loop five. And as we speak right now, two of those four have finished. We have two more finishers. So now we're up to 17 finishers uh, in, the, in the history of the race. John Kelly uh, finished in 58, minute, 58 hours, 42 minutes, and 23 seconds. Way to and, go, John Kelly. And he, he is now a, a two-time uh, finisher in the Barkley Marathon. And uh, first time, first-timer, rookie, Aurelian Sanchez finished even faster than John Kelly. He finished at 58-23-12. Wow. And the dentist, I think he's from Belgium, uh, Carol Sabe, he is still out on the course, but he is scheduled to finish any minute now. In fact, if, you, if you'll bear with me just for a second, Music Man, I, I am going to look at Twitter. I've been following the feed all day. And let's see if, if, if Carol Sabe has come in yet here. I feel like I should do a drum roll. Yes. Um, I am looking. And if you heard that, that was the sound of my Twitter refreshing. And... Two minutes ago, it was still just the two that had finished. They're still waiting for Sabe to come in off of the course. He's scheduled to, he was about 50 minutes behind uh, those two guys, which means that he should be finishing any minute now if he's able to finish. How exciting. So, I mean, this guy technically could finish while we're on the podcast. That's right. Gosh, I mean, I would gladly let him dial in and tell <laughs> of his amazing journey. Wow. Yeah. And also this year, there's Come on, doc. Finish. We're rooting for you, doc. The, the doc yeah. that's out there. We're rooting that's for right. you the too. Dentist, we're also rooting Dr. Dennis. That's right. Uh, for the first time uh, in a while, Jasmine Paris became the, the, just the second woman to start loop four. So she made the first three started loop four. She didn't hit the time limit to finish loop four. But she did get uh, nine pages, nine, nine of the book, nine of the eleven book pages. So nice going, Jasmine. Yep. So there you go. I always enjoy talking about the Barkley Marathons just because it is so bizarre. Um, in fact, I was talking to Jeff Garmeyer yesterday. Do you know who Jeff Garmeyer is? He's another. Uh, he's an endurance athlete. Yeah, he's an endurance yeah. athlete. He goes by the trail name Legend. Uh, yeah, I re yeah read about Legend. Yeah, yeah, I've read the Legend. Yeah, I, I've gotten him to promise that if when he enters next year, he ran it. He ran it once, uh, didn't do too well. He's going to go back when he runs it next year. He he has um, confirmed that I'll be a voluntary crew member. So I'll, 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 my my dream is to be out there at Frozen Head State Park, uh, helping to support Jeff Garmeyer on the on the run. Awesome. Well, good luck and Laz. What a guy this guy must be. Yeah. Oh yeah. You have to look him up when we're done, or watch those documentaries. He is a character. Cool. Okay. Yeah, have you got any plans to get Laz on the show? You know, I I don't know if he's on social media. I I don't know how to reach him. We'll find him. We know okay. where to look about this time next year. That's right. That's right. Lighting a cigarette. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right, on to the rest of the podcast. The Must Bring Gear Review. Hey, Music Man, another feature we've been doing this season is the Must Bring Gear Review, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs. Here's how it works. If you're letting a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day or, in this case, month hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So, Music Man, what do you have to have with you out on the trail? So uh, this answer might be a little unorthodox because my no, I don't know. I'm not that special. It's it's a luxury item. Okay. It's a luxury item. And it is one of these, which is a strum stick. Oh wow. And, you know, if you're, if you're not if you're not tuning in on YouTube right now, you're missing out. You need to hit pause on the on the Apple or Spotify. Uh, podcast and go to YouTube. Take a look at this tool, a strum stick that looks. This is kind of looks stick. like a guitar. It's right, and I'm gonna step out of the picture for just a second because I thought I had something, and now I've got I've got this pick. So it would be hard to you know tell a stranger who's packing the pack. I need a strum stick because the stranger would, you know, be like that's very strange, stranger. Um, but a luxury item. Uh, I'm not necessarily ultra light. Like, you know, I've got the Osprey, um, the, um, the Exos, the 58 liter. It's a great pack. Everything's puffy uh, when it's new. Um, it lasts about as long as I needed it to last for a through hike. I've got, you know, my, my thermal rest, my sleeping bag, my jet boil, I, you know, those critical things, they're fine. You know, everything, uh, in terms of, you know, my my pack is dialed in. It's not ultra light, but it's ultra awesome gear. For me, a luxury item is key because my mental health on the trail, my spiritual health, um, and in turn, my um, my psychosocial health is is fed when my spirit is fed. So whatever that is for, for any hiker, um, I suggest taking your luxury item whatever it may be. And maybe there's a light version of it. This is two pounds, one ounce in the case. And so I, I factored that in, um, you know, my base weight was 26 pounds, I think, um, was my base weight without the strumps. No, with the strumps there. Um, the strumps, like I said, two pounds, one ounce with the vinyl case. But, you know, I had to have it, you know. Yes. Are you going to play us a little something? I'll play you a little something yet. Okay. Oh, you know what? Nothing's coming through. I don't hear that. Can't hear it. No, I hear you. I, I look. I see you strumming, but I don't. I don't hear any sound. No, it looks very cool, but I don't. I don't hear anything. <laughs> That's it, too bad. Yeah, it's not coming through. That's too bad. Wow. It's yeah. really strange. Well, I would um God, I love your episode with um with Sarah Dramas um a few weeks ago. I listened to that episode. I loved her answer. She said a wooden spoon. You know, and I was like, she is so right about that. And then you said something about, you know, the grease, you know, on your fingers and the, the jet ball and how maddening it is. You know, at the end of the night, the last thing I want to do is like wash my hands after I, you know, cook my meal and, and how that, that long wooden spoon. And I just thought, 
you know, how, what a great answer, you know, or a long, you know, a long, a, a, a uni or whatever, whatever it would be like, what a great answer. And doc, I got to tell you for the next two days, I had this image in my head of like Will Ferrell from Saturday night live, like hitting a cowbell with a wooden spoon, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and Christopher Walken's over and he's like, he's like, babies, babies, you're going to want that spoon, you know, <laughs> and I just like had this thing. I like, well, I think I even dreamt it at one point, like the spoon. Oh, it's so, it's, it's so key, you know. Music, man, you so. got some in- interesting thoughts going through your head. I- I'm, I'm gaining some insight into, into your psyche. Oh God. If you, if you figure anything out, man, like, please let me know. Cause it's just <laughs> like, you know, the endless battering of the shores of my mind, you know? Oh, I like that. Endless battering of the shores of your mind. Nice. Very poetic. Well, to help us talk more about your psyche. It's the hiking pole. We've got the hiking pole. That's pole spelled P-O-L-L, not P-O-L-E. This is a seven question survey that's going to help me give you a score on the sanity scale from one to a hundred. One being completely (laughs) insane, 100 being completely sane. Oh my goodness. Now, I'm in. I'm in. Can you self-assess? Where, where do you think you fall on that scale? Zero is insane. Yes. One hundred is uh, one hundred. Oh, you you are the first person to claim to be completely sane. Yeah, I think I think I'm completely sane. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, music man, I'll be the judge of that. Okay. Okay. Show so me straight just, now. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to ask you seven questions, all hiking related. See which side of the issue you fall on. And in addition to your answer, please give a little explanation as to why you say that. Got it. Okay. First question. Fairly easy. I think uh, trekking poles or no trekking poles out there? Trekking poles. Trekking poles for me. um, I'm a big lucky guy. I love the lucky poles, um, the lucky lights. Um, I'm... um, not a young hiker anymore and um, i had a hiking partner at one point that that uh, gave me some great tips about climbing downhill you know and especially you know in something um in conditions thank god in in maine going northbound on the at when you hit the mahusic arm that, that it's that it's an uphill grade it's about a 45 degree uphill grade to go up the arm if you're northbound coming south it was it was a cool slick day and i we looked at each other like how could we possibly climb down the Mahusic arm in conditions, anything other than like ideal hiking conditions. And in Maine, as you know, I'm sure doc, it's like rarely ideal hiking conditions in Maine, which just adds to the excitement, but hiking down more, uh, more so than hiking up, I really rely on the poles. Um, and I can't remember what the, um, the, the percentages at one point, somebody might've been my brother, uh, said, you know, when you're climbing downhill and you're at, you're at a good, you're at a good grade, those poles can take a good 10 to 15% um, of the impact and the weight off of your knees, off of your joints and into your upper body using the poles. And um, one misstep on a, on a climb down out of a hundred is more maddening than like missing every 10th step on a climb up, you know, um, when that foot slips out and just kind of the foot placement of, of climbing down. That's that's a, a long-winded answer, but definitely for me, poles. You know, I'm not in my 20s anymore, and it it really helps disperse my body weight 
and you know away from the joints and the impact on the joints and it's just comfortable for me all right that's a pretty good answer right there music man you're, you're still you're still at 100 okay oh, go ahead really <laughs> make keep the questions easy then keep, keep them easy all right another easy question what's on your feet boots or trail runners right now um i just came out of the ultra um the ultra superiors my pinhody last my pinhody through hike last year i was in ultras i tried it um i i really loved it um the weather in alabama into north georgia last year was beautiful in february and it was relatively dry so i had a really good experience with the ultras and i had a little more weight on my back because yeah a little bit short of a hike I had a little more confidence um, but the trail runners were really suited me for that hike. But on the AT, I was in boots. Um, okay. Yeah, I was I was in Merrill Moabs the whole way. I would think think four pairs of Moabs uh, through the AT. The whole way. Okay. All right. Hey, uh, news update, race update. There are 24 minutes left before the end of the race, and they still have not seen Carol Sabe, the dentist from. I know someone's going to call me on this. I think it's Belgium, the dentist from Belgium. He's still out there on loop five. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep track of this as we go. Gosh, and there's no nav. So like, there's no way for, for them, for us to know where they're, there's no way to, there's no Garmin. There's not, no. there's nothing. No, you know, in the past, sometimes they've had to wait hours for people to, to come out eventually and emerge. Uh, I think I forget which, which contestant it was. It may have been, I don't want to speculate. There was a, a contestant last year who got so turned around, he ended up finding walking onto a road and and having a, a police car drive him uh, and drop him off somewhere. So, I've done that before. I've had that. Yeah, that's. I've been there before. Not a, <laughs> yeah, not a good place to be. It can be. It can be a great place to be. But like, officer, I need some help. Yeah. All right. Question number three: When it comes to your sleep system, or I'm sorry, your shelter system, tent, tarp, hammock, bivy, or cowboy camping. Uh, tent and cowboy. Um, I tried a hammock and it was never really, uh, it, I mean, it's comfortable for me, um, for short periods of time, but I need, um, I prefer to be flat on my back and in a tent. Um, I like the, th I like the thermal nature of a tent. Um, I like, I'm, I'm at my pack right now. I've got the Hornet, uh, the Nemo Hornet one P and I love it because it's, it's an easy tent to assemble. Um, I can assemble it in a flash. It, it's it's breathable, but if I just let the fly lay over the top of the tent and I, I don't stake it out, I mean, in, uh, in a very, very cold night, it stays nice and thermal in there. And um, because, I, because I'm not ultralight necessarily, I'm tired at the end of the day and comfortable, very tired. I'm ultralight R2, you know, I'm just... Um, yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm comfortable flat on my back, uh, thermal and a tent, and I'm willing to carry the weight for that comfort. You know, I'm willing to carry the weight, and I've got a um, got a thermal rest in my pack right now. Uh, actually, it's a, I've got the Big Agnes. Um, and I can't remember which one it is, but it's good inch and a half, two inches. It's a, it's a comfortable pad that's quick to blow up and easy to blow up. But I was on a ridge rest for the AT. Um, I was on a small ridge rest and it just, oh man, that thing's, that thing was tattered. I, I think it's still somewhere, but I love the ridge rest because it doubled as a chair. I could get it out at lunch and just whip it out on, on a rock. And it's just a, it's a great chair. That's and right. I just yep. got used to sleeping on the ground. 
Okay. All right. Question number four, when it comes to sleep system now, sleeping bag or quilt? Sleeping bag, sleeping bag. And I've been in the same sleeping bag since, since my John Muir trail, um, since the John Muir Sobo that my brother and I did in 07. Um, now a good amount, a good number of years went by when I didn't backpack and, and the, uh, the Western mountaineering, uh, the Terralite, I believe the, the Western mountaineering Terralite 20 degree, and I still have it. And it was bought new 20 something years ago. And I still use it. I think, I think we sent it back between my brother and I, we both used it. I, mean, I have a twin brother who's also, you know, big, big into hiking. I've done a lot of hiking with, with my bro. Um, he sent it back to Western Mountaineering maybe uh, a couple years before my through hike, and they and they blew about fifty percent more down into it. We saved the pack. I, I'm sorry, we saved the bag. Um, it's just a great bag. So yeah, tent, ridge rest. Nice. Uh, now identical twin. No fraternal. Fraternal. Yeah. As my as my youngest daughter used to say, they're they're not they're not identical. They're not nocturnal twins. Nocturnal twins. <laughs> yeah, we were for many old... years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, we were for many years. Yeah, he's an avid outdoorsman, and uh, you know he's my best friend. He's he's uh, he he taught me how to hike. Really, he was out there hiking well before I was, um, and I know he wants a through hike one day too. So I'm hoping maybe. Uh, Maybe bro, bro, we're gonna sobo one day. If you're listening to this, pick it up. We're gonna do, we're gonna do that sobo one day. What a great experience that would be! All right. Hey, when it comes to food, are you stove, cold soak, or stoveless? Stove, you know, stove. Um, again, another re- piece of original gear: the Jetboil, um, the Jetboil Flash, and I love it. It took me a little while to get used to the Flash, but but I I use the stove. Real easy to burn rice on the bottom of that thing, you know, with. Um, not controlling the heat i really had to learn how to control the heat but oh this is great this is a great opportunity because my mom okay so she she turned into this world-class food dehydrator okay so while i was hiking you know and in in her retirement and you know i was hiking at the beginning of covid and so they were of course my parents are retired by that point but they weren't you know nobody knew anything and you know when when covid hit and she became a world-class food dehydrator. Actually, she's got a new recipe on the way to me in the mail from Kentucky. Um, I think she's tried beanies and weenies in the last couple of days. And my suggestion, she was like, I don't know about barbecue beans. I'm like, oh, mom, come on, give it a shot. Um, so, yeah, mom, mom's dehydrated meals uh, were great on the trail. Because in 2020, it was it was tough down south early in 2020 because COVID had uh, affected a lot of the businesses down there. And so a lot of hikers that were still on trail were relying on food drops and mail drops at the post offices. And so I was really grateful to have that support and uh, shout out to my mom and her dehydrated food, jet boil all the way. Mom, the expert dehydrator with the beanies and weenies on the totally pro. Totally pro. That's awesome. That's awesome. Is life better above or below the tree line? Question number six. Below. Below the tree line. Um, Life can be more exciting, maybe above the tree line. Um, But it's not necessarily for me a natural place to be all the time. 
Um, there's a balance in the trees when the trail is like pine needles, like it's like chili with cheese, you know, covered all over it. And there's like a certain kind of balance and a, and a, a meditative quality to being outdoors and to hiking outdoors um, and a comfort. Uh, assuming there's not ice all over the trees and there's widow makers falling all over the place, you know, um, I love being in the trees and I love walking in the trees. I love climbing mountains too. Absolutely. But climbing mountains are, you know, the bigger the mountain, the bigger event. It's like a big life event. Like, like I get married and like climbing Katahdin and then, you know, coming down the other side, like the knife edge, you know, um, it's like these great big life events, like climbing Catan was a great big life event, but the journey to get there was largely 1900 or 2000 miles of walking in the woods, you know, and that's such as life, you know. Nice. Now you're not saying that you're saying that climbing the mountains is like a big life event. It's not like you're going to do a big life event and then go climb a mountain. Like you get married and then you head for the mountains. That's not what you're saying. No, no, I'm drawing no, a metaphor. It the- kind of represents a, uh, it's similar to a big life event. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. But you've got to get to the I was going to ask how your wife felt about you getting married and then immediately going off to hike Katahdin. Oh, man. That's a terrific (laughs) question. Because I got divorced and then (laughs) went went off to to hike the Appalachian Trail. So, um, but my my former father-in-law is a three-time AT through hiker, uh, almost career triple crowner. Um, and I learned a lot about hiking from Bamboo Bob too. Uh, he, he, uh, he taught me a lot about hiking, but, uh, but yeah, I, I was divorced, uh, a little less than a year before I hit the trail. So, yeah. Although, so she, I don't think though, not to talk too much about, you know, my ex-wife, but, uh, uh, she's great. I mean, we're good friends and, um, she's a great mom. Um, she knew what I was doing because like I said, her dad, um, is a very successful, uh, awesome, you know, oh, there it goes. And I'm on my phone tonight because my Chromebook is uh, giving me some trouble. But so she understood what I was about to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, what are you going to what are you doing? Are you going to like walk from Georgia to Maine? You know, you know, her dad. So she was kind of like, oh, my gosh, there he goes. And he walked from Georgia to Maine. <laughs> she, she knew she knew what time it was. OK. Now, question number seven, what's more important, pack weight or luxury items? Luxury items. Yeah, I think I, I might have answered that earlier with, with yes. my number one. Yeah, luxury for me. Yeah, I mean, mental health on the trail um, is is key to my to my continued go, to, to go on another day, to hike on another day. Um. You know, I think luxury is is really it's important to have those comforts uh, of home. It's not easy to pack. It's like you know we have to find creative ways to to pack our luxury with us, or or creative ways to um, kind of morph our luxury into something new. Um, like I said, I'd never seen a strumstick before. Actually, I hit the trail. I, I I came across the strumstick while hiking through Hot Springs, North Carolina, with my partner, and I I didn't have an instrument at the time. And, um, and I came across, came across the drumstick and it was like, like, you know, Excalibur, it was like, I don't know, like the sword in the stone, like when I <laughs> pulled it out of the case, it was like, 
Yes. And the guy who, who it belonged to was like, it's yours. You know, you're hiking the AT. Like what, you know, it was just total uh, stroke of luck to come across it. And um, yeah, it was, it was great to have. I definitely think luxury, although pack weight is important, you know, physical health, you know, is, is key. Okay. Now music band, you have to bear with me. I have to do some math here. I got to add up your scores. We're going to feed it through the John freaking Mirpod algorithm. And we're going to come up with a, a score for you. Uh, so I, I got to carry the four. Got to multiply that by root three. 25. And we're going to divide by pi. And in honor of tonight's momentous happenings down in Tennessee, I am going to make a slight adjustment for the amount of blood loss from uh, running through the brambles of Ratjaw in Frozen Head State Park during the Berkeley Marathon. And I come up with a, a very high score. It's not 100, but I come up with a score of 71. 71. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. That's the highest in a long time. Oh, wow. Thanks. But you should know that, that as, as we go, as we go through the episode, that score can drop. It can, can drop. It can drop. So we'll, we'll, we'll check in at the end and see where you are. I'm sure it will. If it can drop, it will drop. You know? Okay. So. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from the advertisers. We're going to check in to see if the Belgian, I have it confirmed now, he's a Belgian dentist, if he has uh, finished the fifth loop and become the third finisher in this year's Barkley Marathons. This will be the first time that we had three finishers, I believe. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Thru-hiker owned, Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. 
It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We just went to Twitter. We checked. Still no word on the Belgian dentist. He's got 10 minutes left. 10 minutes left. And all of all of Barkley Marathon Twitter is just going nuts for him right now. Really pulling for him, hoping he finishes. What could be going on in his mind right now? Like where how close is he? Is he no? Does he know how close he is? Is he's just grinding right now? Yeah. Well, you and I are talking on a Thursday night. So just to put it into perspective. When we got up Tuesday morning and we're getting ready for work, the race had started. We went to work. We came home. We ate dinner, watched some TV, went to sleep. We woke up the next day, got up, had some coffee, got dressed, went to work, worked the whole day, came back home, uh, had some dinner, watched some TV. And then we got up today, kind of did the same thing until here we are right now. That entire time that I just described, these guys have been out on the course in the wilderness no sleep, very little sleep, uh, cold, dark for half of the time. And so he's in the last 10 minutes. I, I, what's going through his mind, I think, is uh, hallucinations. Delirium, hallucinations, probably. And just the, the desire to get across that, that golden cattle gate uh, in, in the next few minutes. Wow. We're pulling wow. for you. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. All, all right. Now, you mentioned the JMT. Back in 2007, was that your first experience at uh, a through hike or, or extended backpacking? Um, yes. Beyond the uh, the training that we did um, on the training we did uh, maybe six weeks prior on the Knobstone Trail, which is Indiana boasts the Knobstone as its longest trail at around 50 miles. That was kind of proving ground for us. Um, uh, my brother actually, who had you know he drew. That, that's when my brother got me into hiking. Um, he said, well, you know, me, you know, goldfish and I are going to go out and do this John Muir, going to do this John Muir trail. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, like, it seems like a lot of walking, you know? And he's like, ah, it's no big deal. You know, you just got to carry, you just got to carry 25 or 30 pounds, you know? And I'm just like, you mean like, we're going to carry 30 all day up and down, you know? And, uh, and he pointed out Forrester Pass to me and we looked at it and I'm like, no way, you know, there's no way I'm going to carry 30 pounds up Forrester Pass, you know? And, uh, oh, I'm so glad it was, it was a grand adventure. You know, it was, it was a, it was a great experience. We did Southbound, we did Sobo, we did Yosemite to Whitney and, uh, wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was a truly, uh, amazing, um, it was a life-changing experience for me. It really was. That was my first experience. Uh, experience in California in the Sierra and that in it um, and the the wildlife I mean a bear there was there was a a mama black but we, we ditched our packs at the at half dome and and scrambled up half dome uh, without our packs and when we got back down it was clear that a bear 
you know, had been nosing around in our packs. And it, it was just, it was clear, you know, to them, not to me, you know, cause I'm, I'm a total rookie. I'm totally green at this point, you know, it's completely green. And, um, but and it was like, oh, we, you know, we've got, we've got bear, you know, we've got, we got company. And then, so we, we cooked there at the base of half dome. This is day one after climbing that epic climb out of Yosemite Valley, um, southbound. And I don't even remember how, how much elevation gain there is there on that first day when you start in the valley, but it's like, oh, maybe 33,000 feet, 4,000 feet in less than 10 miles or something. You know, I, I can't remember exactly what the numbers are, but it was just straight up out of the valley all day. So it was just brutally exhausting for the first day. But uh, yeah, we cooked right there at the base of Half Dome and then walked another two miles. And I remember that first night waking up in the middle of the night with this like wet streak moving across the wall of my tent, you know, and I'm like, bro, like, yeah, what's it? And he's just like, bear, <laughs> you know, and there's like a mama bear's nose leaving the streak across the side of my tent, you know, it was great. And that was our golden birthday. That was my brother and I turned 27 on June 27th, 2007. Um, starting the John Muir Trail. It's a great experience. Fantastic. What did you think of Half Dome? Um, Half Dome, scary, that was scary as hell. You know, that scramble is uh, something. I mean, one false move. I mean, once you get up there, you know, really on the, you know, way up on the spine of that thing, uh, one, you know, if you slip off the chains, you're in trouble. Uh, I didn't know a lot about it. I don't love heights. I'm better with heights now. Heights give me that, you know, that physical, that physiological reaction to fear, which I've, um, as I've gotten older, tried to avoid, you know, or overcome, you know, those those kinds of fears, so to speak. Um, there's phobias different than fear, though. And like, I, like I, I'm really glad my bro didn't tell me a whole lot about Half Dome before we got to it. We got, hey, he said, oh, yeah, we're just we're going to scramble this spine of this thing. You know, we'll ditch our packs and we'll you know, get to the top. And yeah, it was, it was yeah. a gnarly. Half Dome, Half Dome was wild. It is dangerous. Um, I didn't know how dangerous it was before I did it. Uh, I, I thought I knew what to expect. I did not know what to expect. And it, it was, it, it was something. And Music yeah. Man, I'm going to break in here. News break just in, in a time of 59 hours, 53 minutes and 33 seconds, Carl Sabe completes loop five we have three finishers for the barkley Carl Sabe, way to go Sabe! well he was crazy. in it wasn't he? crazy i can't there, there's got to be a documentary on uh on this particular year there i someone has to make a movie because uh this this sounds like it was an epic year for the barkley wow with seven minutes to go and a 60 hour boy what a grind that's cutting it thin yeah Oh man, he's he's on, he's on top of the world right now. Congratulations, Carl. Yes. All right. Now earlier you said that you know you, your expectations. You you were kind of concerned about doing this hike. You know, thirty pounds hiking it up and down and all over the place. And then you went on to say that this was a life changing experience for you. What what happened out there? What what? How did it change you? It for one, it was a it was a great way to spend a special birthday with my brother and also with goldfish um uh, she was the third um and my brother's not married to goldfish and they have uh, three beautiful kids um goldfish also an at through hiker um the magic of hiking goldfish uh, her given name 
<laughs> I don't know where she came up with it. She might have. She somebody may have given her that name as she was fording a creek somewhere in Maine two or three days before she met my brother. I, I you know, I don't know. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it it it, it brought me uh, kind of out of um the the groove that I was in in my mid to late twenties had kind of slowed to uh, maybe that Waylon Jennings you were talking about earlier that like the, like the, the, the record was, I was in, I was plateauing in my life a little bit in the twenties. I needed something. Um, I needed something and I didn't even know that I needed it. Um, but it found me, uh, with hiking and Whitney, I, you know, I'll just never, you know, some of the, some of the, just the great experiences that you can have hiking, the water was low. Um, when we got uh, Tuolumne, it was beautiful. Um, and then to get to Vermilion, to get to, I don't know, gosh, I haven't thought about this in a while. The lake was so low that to get the ferry across the Vermilion uh, to the resort, we had to walk many, maybe hundreds of yards down into the riverbed to catch the ferry because of that's how low the water was. And then we took the ferry over to um is it Vermilion Lakes? Is it Vermilion Valley Resort or is it Vermilion Lakes? Um, we'll just call it Vermilion. I I, yeah. You just call it Vermilion? Across, across uh, Lake Edison, right? Is that what it, it's been? Yeah. It's been 25 years, but I'm, I'm just kind of reliving it now. Mm-hmm. It's about halfway through. It was like the only resupply point. Um, VVR. Vermilion, Vermilion, Vermilion Valley Resort. Vermilion Valley Resort. Yeah, that, that yeah. was it. And... Um, the hikers that were there too. So the, that whole experience of like hiking to that point, um, carrying that much weight, actually there was more weight on our back than 30 pounds because I, I believe we carried our food from Yosemite to VVR, um, which was a lot, a lot of food. I don't, do they still require bear boxes on the JMT? Do you have to? Bear canisters. Yeah. Yep. Bear canisters. Yeah, we had to have bear cans. Um, it was required. We had to pick them up at Yosemite. Anyway, just getting used to the the uh, from getting familiar with the ins and outs of hiking. Like, oh, I've got to carry a bear box or a bear can. Why? Because there's bears out there, and it was like, oh, this is totally different than anything I've ever done in my life, you know. And it was it really opened my eyes. And then, you know, when boot hits dirt or rock, you know, in that and, and that now I'm actually a creature of the wilderness moving i've become a creature of the wilderness after a couple of weeks you know after a couple of days um i i am nature you know so it was like this self-discovery that began to happen uh on the jmt you know and uh, i would explore it a lot more later in life a good amount of time went by um and a lot happened in the in the years between uh my john muir through hike and then my attempt at ultimately the at in 2020 which was really where my life started to change yeah let's uh that's a perfect segue um let's let's look at your i looked at your book review on uh amazon let's read the the little description here um of music man extraordinary journey says after his life falls apart a man mangled by addiction makes a fateful decision on the doorstep of the pandemic to attempt a through hike of the appalachian trail as he trudges the trails and trials of his past and present, a realization of his potential future comes into focus. 
can he outrun his demons while chasing a dream? That's pretty dramatic. Yeah. Can you, do you want to share what was going on in your life prior to the AT and how it all fell apart and, and what, what kind of impact the AT had on that? I, yeah, I'd be happy to, um, the book chronicles that, that journey and what got me to Springer mountain trailhead is, is also a part of the story. And it's also a part of the book. It's a big part of the book. Um, I, I appreciate you mentioning the book and the book is a book about hiking and it's a, it's a book about hiking the AT in 2020 when nobody was supposed to be hiking the AT. Um, and what got me there, um, the years, the, the couple few years leading up to it. Um, yeah, my, my life had, had come apart. Um, I was horribly sick, um, and terribly addicted to drugs and alcohol and I, I couldn't get away from it. And I managed it for a long time. Um, and I think the life that I was kind of leading for a number of years in my twenties and my thirties and playing music for a living and really, um, doing well enough at it to not see anything wrong, to be young enough, you know, my, my wife, my life and my wife eventually <laughs> quickly, um, started to have, to erode at, at a certain point. And I said, it, by summer of 2019, uh, I was getting a divorce and I was losing my job. And um, I, I didn't, I really didn't know what to do. Those things happened. I got a divorce. I lost my job. And, um, and my kids were no longer, I was no longer an active father in their life. And it was a, it was a really dark time for me. Um, it was, it was a really dark time. I'm grateful for that time now because I, I may not be here had I not hit a, such a bottom where I, I needed a, a sea change, something, something had to give. And at one point, and, and I hope the readers, you know, I hope the listeners will, will be tempted to be readers because uh, there's a lot more detail in the book. But when I got to the trailhead, um, it was the teens of March of 2020 and I, I got to Dahlonega, Georgia, not in very good condition. <laughs> and at some point, you know, I'm in, in, a, in a motel in Dahlonega and I'm, you know, I've got my, my pack yard sailed out, all my gear yard sailed out over the other side of the bed. And, and I'm sitting on the other bed and I, I, don't, I don't feel very good and uh, I still look worse. And I turn the TV on and the president comes on the news and there is this new panel and there's this new, there's this COVID, you know, what is what is this? And it's, it's this virus from this place or that place. And it's this or that click, you know, I, I was at a point in my life where, um, nothing, um, nothing was getting, getting through to me, you know, even world events, um, uh, an epidemic at that point, seemingly on the horizon, um, pandemic notwithstanding, um, and, and I hiked. So, and it was, it was a grand adventure. Um, to be on the AT in 2020 was, was a beautiful thing. And it, it was the beginning of a spiritual journey for me that ultimately helped me break away from this terribly destructive life that I was leading. And, um, it was, it was the start of uh, a new spiritual path that I'm still on today. You know? So, Fantastic. and I'm, I'm grateful to be, 
yeah, go ahead. Had, had you been in a program prior to getting down into uh, to Georgia, or did you go cold turkey on the trail? Um, can't remember, Doc. I don't know. <laughs> it's, um, I was in a horrible condition when I hit the trail. I remember uh, Lone Star Don when he gave me the name Music Man. You know, he was like, you know, damn son, <laughs> you know, like, where are you from? Uh, you know. Kentucky, uh, Kentucky, you know, wow. What do you, you know, what have you been through? I think I uh, maybe confided in him a little bit. You know, I think when I got to the trailhead in, in March of 20, um, I looked probably like someone who has finished hiking the AT in the fall. Um, I just, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't in a good shape uh, spiritually, physically, uh, socially, yeah, but uh, I was hiking for my life. You know, 2020, I, I, I registered my hike um, at, at Dahlonega, uh, at Amicalola Falls. Pretty much left my truck on the mountain. You know, I had no idea I was going to do it. It was about the last thing I had left. I had that truck, I had my backpack, and I drove to Georgia. And uh, I left it there. I said, there's nothing there's nothing uh, to do but put foot to dirt. Now, when I saw, when I bent down and touched the, the bronze plaque on Springer and I saw saw the hiker there. I said, this is, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And, uh, shortly after that, uh, the ATC sent every, every registered hiker emails, you know, not, not necessarily requesting, but more like it is time to get off the trail. The trail is closed. And a vast majority of the hikers did. Um, but, uh, I stayed on, um, I stayed on and I hiked, uh, pretty much every step of the trail. So, well, sounds like at that point it was a matter of life and death for you. It was. Yeah, yeah, it was. I was I was horribly, horribly beaten down by by addiction. Um and it took a long time to see it and it took a, a number it took a, a good amount of time away from it uh before I could really see it for what it was. Um and I'd been in and out of the rooms of recovery uh for years trying to trying to get a hold uh of trying to get a hold of it and it was um it was a struggle for for a long time uh it really was but i had to get that that was a cycle it had become a cycle in and of itself and i, I love bringing my brother into it you now because he's such a big part of this he said you know he's, he's such a big part i remember there was one person left in early march that i could call you know that they would answer the phone and it was my brother and i said bro i'm thinking about I'm thinking about a nor I'm thinking about a novo of the AT, you know, because I, I needed something different. I had to break out of this cycle that I was in. Um I'm trying to get better, going back out, trying to get better, going back out, and then everything fell apart. All the under, you know, all the fa the foundation, the structure of my life fell apart as a family man, as a working man, um, as a friend, as a father, a son, a brother, a colleague, those things had all and uh, something had to change. And I said, I, I asked him, I said, I'm thinking about a, a Nobo of the AT. And he paused. Um, and he's like, that's a, I think that's exactly what you should do, bro. Yeah. He said, why don't you come over here and get some extra gear? And I went over there and I got some extra gear that day. And uh, by the time the sun was down, I was on my way to Georgia. And um, that was the beginning of a road. And I'm in I'm in a great place today. You know, I'm in a really good place. I, I wouldn't have imagined that uh, it was three years ago today, March 16th, 2020, that I started my 
uh, northbound of the Appalachian Trail. Um, Dave, I, Dave, I got chills, man. I got chills listening to that that uh, particular story right there. That is amazing and uh, good on your brother, man. What, what what's your brother's name? His name's Chris. Chris, nice job, Chris. Yeah, right. way to pick up the phone. Way to uh, support Dave at the at the very moment that he needed that support. And uh, if if you're out there listening and you didn't get chills listening to that story, I'm, I'm not sure what's wrong with you. That was that was uh, incredible. Now you said you're in pretty bad shape when you started. So what does that first month look like? I mean, how far are you how far were you walking each day? Uh, did you think of uh, it looks like the scarecrow on the yellow brick road <laughs> yeah. and he just comes down and he can't walk. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it was a struggle, I imagine. It actually, I was pretty trail fit when I hit the trail. I've been homeless on the streets of downtown Louisville for uh, a while, walking block after block after block after block. And um, I was- an unusual, It's an unusual training style. I was it, pretty it, trail It seemed fit. to work for you. I never had a blister on the entire track, 2,193.1 miles, and I never caught a blister. Um, I think I started the trail in the Moabs that I've been um, that I've been homeless in for a little while before the trail. Yeah. But being under that that strain of addiction, you know, the addiction addiction had a hold of you. You know, obviously, if you, when you're going without, I mean that that is a a rough patch. Um, did you feel it out there on the trail that first month, two months, whatever it was? Um, no, because, uh, it, it, it took for me to get healthy. I mean, I think it all depends on, you know, what substance you're abusing and, and how deep you are in that. And, um, there is some incredible healing that happens with, uh, with exercise and it wasn't getting overusing is uh something that uh, i did a number of times um it's it's key it's keeping from going back to it that's the tough that's the tough thing and the trail it took i think maybe a couple of weeks i was pretty like i said i was pretty good i was pretty fit for walking not for not much else but i was pretty fit for walking when i hit the trail and uh, no, I didn't go through a prolonged period of physical suffering because hiking, especially with as rugged as North Georgia is and trying to make maybe eight or 10 miles a day, I was damn tired at the end of, of each day. And uh, I was gaining core strength. Um, I was, st I was, I had to still had some pack shakedowns to do. So I know I was carrying too much weight, but it was helping me strengthen. And I, and I was, um, I'd like to think I was building character uh, the, the, especially those first few weeks, I was really, um, I was really kind of like trying to figure out, am I going to try and see what I'm made of here? Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you I saw a great lecture uh, earlier in January. I went up to uh, the Notch Hostel in uh, New Hampshire. Have you have you ever talked to uh, Aquaman, the Scott Benaroff? I have not talked to Aquaman. I think I, I think he has been suggested to me by others, though. Aquaman, he, oh, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm cowbell, wooden spoon on the cowbell. You you're gonna need that Aquaman. I'm telling you, his story is terrific. Uh, 
Um, he's a southbound AT from 21 through 22. Um, and he has a terrific story of, um, of what, what it takes to get to the trail. Um, hardship, overcoming hardship, getting to the trail and then seeing what you're made of. Like, you know, like this is really like, this is serious. You know, like what, what am I doing? You know, this is a real test of moxie. What, you know, what am, what am I made of? And uh, it, it was a little overwhelming uh, at first in those first few weeks. Like I said, I was trying to get better. Um, I was trying to feel well enough to hike. I was trying to establish some kind of, um, some kind of routine, um, some structure, some discipline, some things in my life that I was severely lacking. And it simplified everything. Um, and I did eventually come up with a hiking philosophy that, um, that I try and carry with me in, into life. And it's very simple. And it's, um, I can explain more about it if you ask, but it's basically it's three concepts, the three S's, you know, and spiritual, social, and sport, you know? And so I kind of comp compartmentalized everything I did on the trail into one of the, you know, I made sure it fit into one of those three categories, you know, is it, is this a, a spiritual, social, or sport component to this hike? It's got to be one of those three. And, um, and I tried to keep those three things in balance. And if I did, then I, I could mitigate stress, you know? Um, yeah. And I try and carry that with me off trail. I, I carry that same trail philosophy with me. I try, you know, I do nice. my best. To try. Yeah. Now I think, I think we, we could probably infer what sport is and we, and what social is. Tell us, tell us the spiritual side of hiking. Wilderness, nature, solitude, um, commune with nature, commune. I, I am, I, I am nature. Um, I am, I am the universe's best attempt at this point at trying to understand itself. You know, my, my consciousness, like presence in the moment, like what hiking is very meditative. Um, I met some wonderful people on the trail um, who, who sensed that I was searching and they, you know, I had some, some spiritual advisors here and there on trail. Some, Oh, sorry. Some for, um, more, you know, depending on what our paces were like, I was able to spend more time with certain people and, and I wished I could have spent more time with others, but spent more time with others. But, um, yeah, wilderness, nature, solitude. Do I like myself today? You know, can I hike alone? Can I, you know, am I okay? You know, I'm, I'm so distracted in my life with, you know, I can be with social media, with uh, all these, these external things that I take into my body um, to try and satisfy this next desire for this next goal, this next, you know, and nature hiking gave me um, the space and the time to reconnect with who I am and and med and meditate hiking is like you know exercising pure meditation that runner's high that people talk about um the uh you know climbing a mountain climbing a big wall you know that that feeling that satisfaction you get and and it's not just getting to the top of that wall it's it's the it's the steps and the pitches and the climbs and the steps you got to make to get there and it's the, the enjoyment and the meditation um as the journey you know uh, the experience, the journey as the destination. Okay. 
Now we heard a lot about uh, Music Man at the beginning of the trail. What what does Music Man describe Music Man for us at Katahdin? What's different about you by that by that time? What's different about me? Um, I think the answer to that question um, was discovered long after the trail, and it's still it's still discovered on a daily basis today. The tri- the lessons of the trail, what the trail taught me. Um, I really, you know, gain more and more uh, perspective about the trail um, through my reflection upon it now. In the moment, the grind of like, okay, I'm trying to average 16 a day. I'm trying to keep my, my I'm trying to keep at least two or three uh, meal, you know, two or three days of food in my pack and at least a meal or two of, you know, backup. And I want to keep at least a liter of water on me, but I don't want to have any more, you know, so I'm like, I'm crunching data and I'm crunching mileages and, and, um, trail profiles, how much climbing do we have to do today? You know, um, I, I think when I got to Katahdin, the, the, um, suggestion of a fellow through hiker, we were talking, we were at Katahdin street campground sitting around playing, playing the strum stick the night before the summit. And and we were like, what was it all for? You know, it's just, it's over. What was it all for? And he said, music man, he said, maybe we just decided to through hike the AT and then we did it and that's it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. You know, we did it. And he suggested that the lessons of the trail will be enduring and that they'll come to us when we least expect it. You know, like the, the patience of, uh, oh, man, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm out on a walk in the park. And, and all of a sudden it starts pouring down rain and I, I don't have my shell and I don't have, you know, and I'm, I'm in my trail runners. and I'm soaking wet and I'm, you know, 1.8 from the house, like. So what, <laughs> you know, like I'm going to get wet. It's okay. I've been through this before. I'm going to get home. I'm going to warm up and likely feel refreshed and I'll, I'll, I'll make it, you know, whereas before I would have been like, what am I going to do? I'm 1.8 from the house. I don't have a shell. It's pouring down rain. This is terrible. Yeah, no it deal. is definitely, it, it frames your perspective, right? It provides yeah. some context. And I, I I love that this that discussion between the two of you. You know what what's it all for? Well, maybe we just decided to hike it, and and we did. And the 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 fact that you're still learning three years later about you know the the full impact of that hike on you. Absolutely, I I don't think it. Well, and you know, writing the book. Um, now that was a, a cathartic experience. Like I really. Um, I didn't have a lot of notes. I had some trail maps. Um, I had uh, some journal entries from myself and from some people that were close to me. Um, but it was two years on, and I, I thought, you know, if I'm going to write this thing, I need to do it now while these while I have these memories. And then so many other things started coming up. And um, what a grand adventure! I'll never forget um, side trail Bob. Uh, I met him at the. Um, can't remember the name of the shelter now. It's in the book. It's right before Pine Grove Furnace, uh, right before the Half Gallon Challenge um, at, at Harper's Ferry. Um, the the day before was the name of the shelter. I can't, I can't remember the name of it. And I met him, and he said this, um, and, I, and I quote, I believe he said, "Music man, relish these days. There's a myriad of other great adventures to have, other great trails, and other great experiences that you can have." 
but you'll never recapture the magic of your first through hike. And there's no greater through hiking adventure in the world than the AT northbound. You know, enjoy it. You know, now some sobos out there might take issue with the northbound part, but I was northbound at the time and it sounded pretty damn good to me, you know. And um, that was another one of those checkpoints, spiritual checkpoints of like, yeah, I'm here. I'm now. This is what I'm doing. What do I have to do to get through another day? Much like recovery, much like recovery from uh, addiction or alcoholism, especially in the early stages of it. What do I have to do today to make it another day? Um, knowing that, you know, a, 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 another shot comes tomorrow to get it right. Just what do I have to do today? Um, and I don't think I would have sat down for long enough to let some people help me, um, which I did for about six months after the trail. The trail taught me I can do something. If I can walk from Georgia to Maine, um, and a lot of that's luck, health, held up you know a lot of it's luck blessings call it what you will if i can walk for six months for my life then i can sit down for six months um and sit still and try and let some people help me so that i don't have to go back to living this way you know and so that that's really probably the greatest lesson from katahdin was that from katahdin started this journey of where i ended up not necessarily in a place I wanted to be at the time, but it was the place I needed to be. And um, the two experiences of the Appalachian Trail and the healing place brought me to a point to where, you know, day to day, I, I have a good life and I feel good and healthy and I'm I'm there for my children. You know, I've got my son's car seat in my car. Now I'm up here in Western Mass because this is where my kids are. And, you know, I'm back back in my children's lives and um i'm just so grateful you know how many people don't make it back um but i've been afforded an opportunity you know and i'm, I'm grateful for it uh music man congratulations you look good you sound good glad to hear you're back in your kids lives uh you mentioned the healing place what is the healing place the healing place is a treatment center in uh kentucky there's a number of them there's one uh home bases in louisville kentucky there's one in um, another small town, USA, Campbellsville, Kentucky. Shout out to all my Campbellsville people, and uh, of which there are many, and I love you all, and my Louisville people. And there's another one in North Carolina, um, and it's a um, it's a treatment center for men that need help, just like the kind of help that I needed. Because I didn't, the AT, you know, I wasn't rendered white as snow the moment I hit the AT and started, you know, um, not, I think if, if someone the, goes out onto the trail thinking, I'm going to go onto the trail and find sobriety or a new way of life or whatever, like you may not find what you were looking for. I, I didn't find that necessarily. I take me with me wherever I go. So everything that, you know, everywhere I needed to look in order to find change in my life was, was, in, was right here. It was within me. And the tr the trail gave me the opportunity um, to to take those suggestions from those trail wise people to look within. This is where it is. I I can find that change within my own heart um, with the help of the unrivaled trail community. Um, the AT's trail community is just like it's just an amazing place. And then the healing place in Kentucky. 
it's the exact same place, you know, and I showed up there and they said, you know, welcome to a power greater than yourself, man. Like, let, let us help you. And they did. And, uh, and I'm eternally grateful for both communities and both experiences. You know? Wow. Well said. What an adventure. Uh, what's, what's next on the horizon for music, man. What's the next big adventure? The next big adventure, you know, I'm a backpacker. I wish I could come on and talk, you know, it's like, oh, I, you know, I did this or that. Like, that's what I do. I'm, I'm also a working man and and I'm I'm involved in ALDA, the Appalachian Long Distance Hikers Association. I'm a board member of ALDA. And um, how I landed there, I couldn't tell you, but but it's great fun. I know that we're going down to um, uh, ALDA Care has an event in two weeks. We're going, well, it's not really an event, but we're going down to uh, Greenwood Lake, New York to the trail where there's not a lot of hostels along the trail on that stretch. And, uh, we're, we're helping a brand new hostel lost and found hostel, uh, do some work around there and get ready to open this season. Um, so that's, that's something that I do all this, a great new, uh, positive thing for me to participate in. And I'm, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing as much as I can with that, with, with the time that I have. And uh, I'd love to do the long trail. I'm, I'm up here. Um, I've done the first half of the long trail, you know, from the state line to, you know, Killington. Um, but I want to go up and do Camel's Hump and, and get the north part of Vermont. So if I get the opportunity this summer, I may try and brave the rain and mosquitoes and do a summer hike up the long trail. Fantastic. Yeah, there's been, I've heard now a couple of journeys, right? You've got the journey um, from addiction to sobriety. Uh, you've got the journey on the the AT. You've got the journey from being a rogue hiker on the AT during the pandemic to now being a board member of the Appalachian Long Distance Hikers Association. I mean, lots of stories here, buddy. Lots of stories. Well, you can read you can read them <laughs> right here, and um, I hope that you do. I hope that uh, listeners out there would be interested in taking the taking a shot on Music Man extraordinary journey where can they find your book you can find it on amazon search books uh it had a great release release week um it was um number one for a number of days and new releases in um substance abuse and recovery uh, in the substance abuse and recovery category and it was also number one in the camping and hiking excursion guides which it ain't that but like it's a it's a story about hiking you know it definitely is but it's also a story about um what got me to the trail what happened and what happened after the trail. And, um, you know, I, it was, it was a great experience writing it and, uh, yeah, you can find it on Amazon. Make sure you search in the books category and should be able to find it there and leave me some reviews. Now we we left a couple of things undiscussed. We're going to come back for another episode. We're going to talk about, uh, Benton Mackay trail and the Pinhoti trail and uh, maybe some other adventures that maybe the long trail, after you do the long trail, you have to come back on, tell us about that as well as the other two. That's a bet. Okay. We'd love to, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me, doc, man. It's been great. Okay. You know where we are? Do I know where you are? Do you know where we are? Correct. But we're also the pro tip insight of the week at the pro tip insight <laughs> of the week where you get to share some trail wisdom with our folks. So what do you have for us? Pro tip of the week. The pro tip of the week would be to consider um, when you're outside in nature or even inside and exercising to consider um 
the meditative quality of whatever it is that you're doing and how a oneness and awareness with self can be found in moments, even of, of extreme exertion outside but uh, or inside, extreme exertion of your body. There's a meditative quality to that that I, I believe is is a conduit to, to self-realization and self-exploration. And I really would love I would love to one listener out there next time they try to hike or the treadmill in the gym or that, that big rock wall or even the rock wall at the gym to just pay attention to your body and your breathing, almost like you, you have some monks, you know, trying to tell you, pay attention to your breathing while you're in that exercise that you love so much. Take a look at your heart and see what you see and see what you hear and, and um, hear what you hear and feel what you find. Okay. Very good. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Music Man. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Music Man, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Um, the best place to find me right now on social media is on Facebook, um, Instagram, um, AT Music Man 12, um, my Facebook page. Um, you can email me directly at AT Music Man 12 at gmail but uh dave chandler music man on facebook okay remember to check out the pod on social media as well we are on facebook youtube instagram twitter and tiktok and if you have comments or clips you want to share you can send it to me at john at gmail.com the adventure media recommendation all right dave i'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book movie documentary website something some kind of media keep our listeners connected to the trail during the off season call this our adventure media recommendation we will stipulate already it should be your book but do you have something else that uh, you would direct listeners to well i'm definitely going to direct listeners to my book because i i, I would think it, it could uh, have the potential to to help one or two people maybe um, I also read Alone in Wonderland, which is Christine Reed's new book. And uh, that's a terrific read about it's it's a book about a hike, uh, about the Wonderland Trail, about Rainier. And she does a just a very vulnerable, brutally honest self-exploration um, mixed with some like some great adventure. Um, I would definitely recommend Alone in Wonderland by Christine Reed. Well, in addition to write, boy, each of you writing a book, you know what else you have in common? What's that? You're both guests on the John Freaky Mirpot. Awesome. She's been on the show. Yeah, you have to give her a listen. It was really, really fun talking. I to definitely her. will. Yeah, I definitely will. She's great. Yeah, uh, she she sold me on the book, and you know, I was like, I don't know, what, what do you think? And uh, she was like, Yeah, I think you should buy it. And I was like, Okay, I'll buy it. I'm thinking about writing <laughs> one too. And uh, she said, You should write that book. So I did. Okay. Good advice. <laughs> Yeah. What have we not Stop. asked you? And before we wrap things up, one more segment for you called What Have I Not Asked You That You're Dying to Tell Us About? What do we miss? What you missed is um, I was concerned that my aquarium had lost too much water in the heat that uh, the, the, the sound of the waterfall, the sound of the, the filter was going to be too um, disturbing and distracting for the phone call. But since you couldn't even hear the drumstick. I'm assuming you can't hear the fall of the water into my aquarium, but right now it kind of sounds like a waterfall of applause. They're like, yeah, the show's over. I made it, you know? So I was concerned about that. 
I'm sorry to get changed. I have heard the trickle. I've heard the trickle. Have you? (laughs) I've got to go to the bathroom now. It's been it's been an urge. (laughs) Well, it's been very. It's been very. I thought I thought maybe you had a fountain in there and you're kind of meditative. Well, it's my it's my. I've got about a 25 gallon freshwater aquarium, and um, I should have set up in front of that. Um, I was having some trouble with my computer, but yeah, this is this is. It is what it is, was what it was, and what it was was a lot of fun. Freaking thanks, Doc. <laughs> Freaking thank you. It was a great interview. Loved hearing your story, and I want to hear more. So we're, we're going to get back together. We'll do another episode. Uh, that is a wrap from the John Freaking Muir Studio. Any shout-outs to friends and family, Music Man? Shout-out to my friends and family. Love you guys. Love all of you. Big shout-out to Chris. Absolutely, bro. You already know, bro. The man who answered the phone at the right time. Yeah. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you're tired of bringing yourself with you all day long. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv don't miss mondays with into the blue brought to you by academy sports and outdoors every monday night from 7 to 10 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment